Hey guys, welcome to All About The Game. Today we have Mr. Pramod Mohandas with us. He is a lifelong Liverpool fan and will be talking to us about the Jurgen Klopp effect. How he managed to transform the Liverpool team, making them Champions League winners as well as Premier League champions. He will talk about his managerial approach and the methods he used to get the optimum performance from his players. Hi Pramod. Hey, hi, hi Siddharth. How is it going? Excellent. Been at home, quarantined largely, sitting, staying safe, wearing a mask, the usual routine now. How about you? Wonderful. Uh, I've been following the exact same thing. So, yeah, basically the whole world's doing that. And uh, hopefully we can get back to normal days soon. Looking forward to it. It's been more than six months for me, working from home, uh, living in a very close, close sort of proximity, uh, maintaining all the restrictions. Uh, mm-hmm. Just miss those uh, golden old days when you travel, uh, when you have time to meet friends and weekends are much more fun. I right. guess uh, you've got to be responsible first until all of these mellow downs and we have some vaccine or a cure in place. Sure. Yeah, for the greater good, taking one for the team, I would say. <laughs> of course. So, uh, good thing is football's back. Oh, yes. I can't tell you. Uh, yesterday was amazing. Some really good games. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. sure today would be another set of great matches. Uh, I'm really glad the, the football is back. Uh, the folks found a way to uh, restart with all the measures in place. Pretty excited yeah. for the season ahead. Of course. Of course. So, um, I have been regretting this day and that is one of the reasons why we've been postponing it. We are here to talk about <laughs> Liverpool and uh, Jurgen Klopp and I am a hardcore United fan. So, this is going to be tough. I see. I see. <laughs> Alright. I know. Yeah. So, um, great stuff going on with Liverpool last 2-3 years. Um, since when have you been a fan? Well, uh, you just uh, hit the nail on the head, I'd say. It's a long story. Uh, It goes back to 1998. I was just, what, an 80-year-old kid. And uh, back in the day, it was all about the national television here in India. And they used to only broadcast these select games, even from the Football World Cup. And I distinctly remember uh, England playing Argentina. Mm-hmm. And an 18-year-old Michael Owen uh, scoring an, a blinder, an amazing, going past a few players and, and scoring an, an amazing goal. Mm-hmm. And I was like really, uh, really influenced by this young kid, you know, playing so well, uh, so agile, uh, so, 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 so wonderful when it came to finishing. I thought, no, this is a guy I should follow. So I started following Michael Owen. I just found out that he plays for a club called Liverpool. Mm-hmm. And back in the day, there's, there's no... English Premier League telecast on the national television in India. So, it was almost all about just opening the last but one page of the newspaper. You'd have a very small column after on a Monday, publishing all the English Premier League scores and goal scorers. And you're just following Liverpool there. So, the first couple of years were there. um, The Y2K revolution, which is the year 2000, brought in cable television to my place. Right. And then Liverpool almost played that uh, quintuple season where they won all the cups. And mm-hmm. my journey actually began from there. And then it's uh, just been onward and upward. 
uh, when it comes to fashion and following Liverpool Football Club. Yeah, sure. So yeah, I mean, I remember. I mean, I was I was like really young then, back in two thousand, and still I heard. I mean, Michael Owen was a beast back then. Like he was really popular all over India. Oh, he was. He was uh, really popular uh, in India. Then across the world, he became the Young Player of the Year. Uh, switched to Real Madrid. Uh, got a lot of uh, global recognition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the time Michael Owen, uh, he went to Real Madrid, uh, there was heartbreak. And then oh. I found my sports hero. I found Steven Gerrard coming in. Right. And then he's been one of the greatest uh, you know, sports influencers in my life. I've, I've been a sports, uh, sports aficionado for a while. Uh, I remember, you know, even back in the day, I used to follow tennis. So, the earliest uh, tennis game I remember that I followed was uh, Leander Pace uh, beating Pete Sampras. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Sorry, beating Andre Agassi, I guess, in the 1996 uh, Olympics. Right. Was it Pete Sampras, I guess, yeah. So, it was amazing. Uh, that's where I, I, I distinctly remembered watching sports for the first time, following hockey back then in the Olympics. Tennis, because Leander Pace did it. Uh, then it was F1 with Michael Schumacher being mm-hmm. the all-time greats. Uh, following them, uh, Steven Gerrard gave me hope of football. Uh, being a Mumbaikar, Sachin Tendulkar, Rahul Dravid, cricket. So, I'm just another uh, the guy next door, uh, very passionate about sports. Uh, the one who reads the newspaper from the back pages, and that's me. Sure. And I start from there, the sports section. That. Sure. So, yeah, that, that's been my uh, journey with sports. I had a... Uh, at some a good good fortune of uh, representing schools, colleges, in volleyball, cricket, uh, played a de- decent degree of football at university. Mm-hmm. So that's been me. Uh, never a sports person uh, of a distinguished uh, acclaim, but a avid sports follower. And I've tried to live by you know what the values that sports brings in anybody's life who practices it. So yeah, that's that's me. So. Yeah, I mean, as long as you've played, you know, different sports, uh, you you will have a pretty good understanding of what it is all about, right? I mean, regardless of if you've played, you know, for your school or you've played uh, at the national level because you get that feeling of competition. So, you know what goes behind winning and what is actually required, right? I would, I, I would dare say yes. Uh, the the magnitude and the amplitude of emotion exponentially increases when you higher stakes uh, are in yeah. place when you're playing at a national level for your country, maybe for a top top professional side. But uh, the flavor of emotion remains the same. Right. So even if you're competing against a good set of friends and you're really a sportsman, right. you can live those emotions of hard work, of victory, of learning through losses. So I, I can agree there. Yes, I have lived through, through a lot of those emotions. Uh, of course. Back in the day. Of course. So I can uh, give you an instance where um, I was in Chennai and, uh, you know, back when I was a kid and it was raining heavily and we were playing a football match uh, on the beach. And uh, uh-huh. we suddenly decided that um, it's, it's going to be a golden goal, right? And um, our team, I mean, I gave the assist and um, a friend of mine, he scored. And then the, the emotions, you know, when, um, when he scored the goal was, you know, unmatched. So, yeah, sports is incredible. Football is incredible. And 
um, it's great that you've played so much. I'm sure, uh, and uh, Siddharth, as you said, uh, this stays with you. I mean, this is a lifelong memory, and every time you'd think of this, uh, there would be a part of your mind which will relive that emotion and make you feel really good. So, I completely agree with you there. Sure. So, okay, uh, we want to discuss a bit about um, Jurgen Klopp. Absolutely Jürgen Klopp. incredible work done by him at uh, Borussia Dortmund and at Liverpool. Talk to me about him. Before Borussia and Liverpool, it was Mainz. So, he was a part of Mainz. Uh, mm-hmm. He's just another German guy. You know, or someone who's raised in the Black Forest, in his own words. Sure. Uh, he was a passionate footballer. I, I, I remember uh, one of the instances I've read about him. Uh, during his school days, uh, Jürgen Klopp admitted to wanting to study medicine. He wanted to be a doctor, if if you believe me, wow. and uh, and he said no. He believed that he he was uh, he was never smart enough for a medical career, and uh, he was saying that when his professor was handing him the A level certificates, uh, he said to Klopp that I really hope that things work out for you in football, otherwise it's not really looking good for you in the future. Right. So. I think we are blessed that uh, he wasn't that bright and instead of choosing a pure medical profession, uh, he, he, he came into football. He played for Mainz. Uh, he, he had a very pretty decent professional career. Uh, Mainz back then, now you, you might know Mainz as a, as a first, uh, first division uh, German football team. Sure. Top division football team. But back sure. in the day, they weren't. And uh, Klopp played for them. And as Klopp was... Uh, approaching his retirement, they even asked him to uh, take over the player-come-manager role. And that's where his journey into management began. I uh, also remember uh, Klopp always citing a couple of coaches who have inspired him. So, uh, Wolfgang Frank, uh, he says, says has been one of his managerial influences. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wolfgang uh, Frank uh, was the manager of Mainz uh, during Klopp's uh, playing days. And I think uh, he says that it's from uh, Mr. Frank that he he learned the importance of emotions in football matches, uh, which I'm sure you've seen him prioritize when he's on the touchline, shouting at his players, being really emotional. So he says he's inherited uh, that part and he's really um, learned it from his his, his erstwhile coach. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another coach that he's doing, we looked up to is Arigo Sachi. Uh, maybe people who are one generation above us and are football enthusiasts will remember Arigo Sachi as uh, an an legendary AC Milan coach. So uh, in the in the 80s, AC Milan like a legendary team. They were nearing invincibility, or right. ruling Europe, ruling the Italian league. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arigo Sachi was the coach in the high intensity football that he played. Uh, the tactical uh, nuances that he implemented is something again that Klopp says that he has really looked up to and, and yeah. learned a lot, especially in the initial days of his footballing career. Right. Uh, then he he did pretty well at Mainz. Uh, he brought them up uh, from uh, to the top tier of German football, and uh, he had a good time there. He he discovered his basics of management at Mainz. Moved to Borussia. Uh, spent five seasons there. Um, was instrumental in turning a 13th-placed uh, Borussia team to finally, in, in uh, three years, they were transformed into German champions, consecutive champions. 
the year after the second title, they reached the Champions League final, which is the European Cup final in football right. as, a, as a team. And uh, then he had a sort of a not-so-great season at Dortmund before he shifted to Liverpool. So, he's had a decent little journey with football. And it's a very lovable, very affable kind of a person. You know him. I mean, uh, people who follow remotely follow football and know about Klopp will know that his, his confident, his friendliness, his smile enters the room before he does. Right. And that, that's the kind of uh, the likability the man has, the confidence the man has. Uh, they love him. Uh, something close to us, apparently, and this is a fun fact that I very recently got to know, is that Jürgen Klopp mm-hmm. loves Bollywood. Oh. Apparently, in one of his German interviews, he quoted the movie Shole wow. as being uh, one of his uh, favorite Bollywood movies. And he, he even said that this was one character uh, called Gabbar Singh in Shole, right. uh, who, right. who he feels is a quintessential Indian villain. Uh, <laughs> apparently, he also uh, proclaimed love for Big B, Amitabh Bachchan. Wow. And he says that you no, know, he even tries to uh, emulate uh, Big B's hairstyle. Now you can relate to you know, how right. Klopp looks and how, how Mr. Bachchan. I mean, they have similar, like six three in height, both of them, okay. uh, similar charming personalities. Right. So, yeah, I think a fun fact though. There, I wasn't aware of this till very recently. Oh, interesting, interesting. So, um, talk to us about his leadership style. And how it has progressed from, you know, his Borussia Dortmund days to the Liverpool days. Has the leadership style been the same or has he changed it based on the club? Most things I feel, uh, as much as I've read about Klopp, so uh, I really started following Klopp since his Dortmund days. Sure. I was aware that there was a manager in Mainz who's like a very good manager. Doing really well, uh, young, passionate, just just uh, uh, some 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 notes here and there. I never really studied about him. Sure. But uh, when Dortmund actually broke the the Bayern bubble by winning the league, Bayern was relentless. Otherwise, yeah. uh, that's when you know started noticing. And there's this guy, and then he went on to do it again. And that's when I started noticing Klopp his leadership styles. Uh, that's from his Dortmund days. I wouldn't say he has changed. Uh, in fact, what, what may have actually happened is he's rather evolved his style and taken it to another level with Liverpool. Mm-hmm. I remember Dortmund, it was about the same thing. So, the first thing that I that comes to my mind uh, when it comes to Klopp is about respect. I mean, he is a guy who has uh, sincere respect. I have not seen him badmouth. It's a very competitive field. I've not seen him badmouth people, badmouth players, uh, let anyone down with his words. He earns respects of his team. You know, he leads by example. Uh, and, you know, he, when he does that, you know, he uh, doesn't expect the team to do anything that he wouldn't be prepared to do himself. Sure. That's the kind of guy he is. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the, in one of the very recent interviews that he had with uh, Liverpool TV, uh, he said that, you know, about when asked about his leadership side, you know, he said that I tried everything to be as successful as possible. In a way that I live 100% for my boys. Sure. With the boys and what we do for the club. Right. And I think that is the kind of leadership he lives by. So he gives us 100% to what needs to be done to the boys. And, uh, and that's what he expects also in return. But that's something that he goes in with first. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
and he said then as a leader you cannot be the last one who comes in and first one who goes out you mm. don't always have to be the first one coming in or the last one going out but right. you have to be an example so sometimes uh, if i have to immediately now compare it with now a lot of leadership books uh, leadership lessons that are go go around in the corporate world when they say you know you got to be the first one to jump into the training room you yeah. know you got to be the last one to leave you got to be the first one to the office last one out of it of uh, he says it's not necessary you you cannot always be that guy right. but you got to set an example nevertheless mm-hmm. so i think he's very realistic even though you know he sets uh, certain standards uh, by giving his, in his all setting up an example for the team and that's something that makes him very uh, real life like and not someone out of a book saying these are the top two things you got to do right. and hence being that relatable someone i can easily emulate even in my real life because it's pretty doable it's sure. it's nothing crazy the other thing that really stands out for jurgen klopp uh, jurgen klopp is the fact that he uh, believes in the team uh in fact in one of these interviews the liverpool assistant manager very recently said that you know jurgen klopp jurgen klopp creates a family uh, he he always says that there's only 30% tactics in team building and 70% uh, family you know mm-hmm. you have to build in that camaraderie within the team right and that's something that he has he's always believed in uh, i i remember an example where uh, when the liverpool left back uh who's very been very successful uh, came in robertson uh he uh, robertson did not knew that some someone from the staff was expecting uh, to be a father very soon mm-hmm. in a casual conversation and apparently he was pretty pissed off at the guy he was like right. you know how can you not know i know that football is important the club's important but this is a guy that you work uh, with day in day out and for him the most important thing in his life right now is the baby and you right. should know about it because you're working with someone and it's like a family right so yes that is the kind of an attitude he tries to bring within the team i have even uh, heard about i have heard interviews where he has said that no we want to win for the team for the city we want to win for carol and caroline and you will ask me who's carol and caroline mm-hmm. carol and caroline are two 60 plus ladies who uh, uh, head the liverpool kitchens ah that feeds it's funny for someone to quote them i mean when was the last time you uh, saw high profile coach speaking about the kitchen stuff sure but he wants to build that atmosphere that attitude in the players that we all are a single family the city included right and we win for them we don't just go out there and play for ourselves we play for the team we play for the staff we play for the city and we play for every single soul who may have invested even a tiny bit of their happiness mm-hmm. into seeing us win right that's really amazing to end up achieving that uh, it's fantastic and definitely and this, this is not the end of it i could go on and on and maybe we could end up writing a book at the podcast mm-hmm. but uh, these are some some immediate and striking features about club that have have really uh, inspired me personally sure sure so when he came in at liverpool they went doing really well so how is he able to go about setting you know targets and goals you know obviously it couldn't have been that he decided that we go for the champions league immediately right so how did he how is he able to you know set those targets and goals at a really you know structured way 
I'm glad that you asked this. There's a quick backstory to this. <clears throat> I remember uh, this was what, 20, uh, 2015, I guess, when Klopp came to Liverpool. Right. And uh, with these a bunch of college friends of mine, also very passionate Liverpool uh, fans. And uh, I, I recollect uh, that when we knew that Jurgen Klopp is coming to Liverpool finally, Though nothing's been officially announced, but you know, there are a lot of rumours and some right. uh, trusted journals have tweeted about it. Right. Uh, we were tracking his flight to Liverpool. <laughs> there was a rumour right. that this guy's coming. And there's this huge forum, who a group of fans across the world tracking a flight which potentially has Klopp sitting on it. And uh, it's going to land at the John Lennon International Airport in Liverpool. Mm-hmm. And then the flight's delayed, it's circling. And there's just so much drama and suspense. To finally Klopp being unveiled as the Liverpool manager. I still remember him wearing that black suit of his. Yeah. Looking dapper in that suit. Right. The tall German smiling guy coming in. Right. And uh, Siddharth, you and I know this. Uh, one of the most patent questions that's, that, that are always asked even when we interview uh, at the corporates today is, you know, why should we hire you? Right. Or what would you do in the next three years? Where do you see right. yourself? And we, are, and, and we are very tempted to see, you know, I'm going to change the world in the next three years. Right. I'm going to take our company to the next level. Mm-hmm. Okay. And to a naked eye, they seem to be very uh, populist kind of an answers. Sure. Someone who looks at the, at the face of it. And in the world of football, it's no different. At the highest level, the stakes are high. And on that interview, I was expecting Klopp to say, you know, I'm going to change the team. I'm going to... So, because I associated him with being a very positive person. Right. So, a positive guy would definitely come in and say, you know, I'm going to change the team. Sure. But you know what he did? What Klopp did, he said something... Uh, he did a couple of things which really stood out for me. Number one, uh, he uh, completely uh, disassociated himself from being anyone special. Sure. When, uh, when asked by a journalist, Jose Mourinho calls himself the special one. So, what does that make you? Right. Uh, he said, I am the normal one. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Yeah. He said, I'm the normal one. And he, first of all, he dis- disassociated himself from being, uh, because he is not a man of uh, words. He's a man of action. Right. So, he'd rather want to put in the hard work to ensure that over a period of time, we build a team rather than having false expectations. Because yeah. Liverpool fans are always demanding. Uh, you, you follow United. You know that for a fact that uh, back in the day for Liverpool, it was always uh, next year is going to be ours. Yeah. And uh, that, that jinx had to be broken. So he said it's, it's going to take time. But something else that he did was really stood out. And now that's in line with what's demanded even in today's competitive world. Is he set a smart target. So you know what smart stands for, right? right. So it's smart is specific, measurable, attainable, realistic and time-bound. Mm-hmm. That's smart. Right. And what did he set as a smart goal? He said, four years from now, I think that we will at least have one title. Right. Or else, I'll go and manage in Switzerland. That was the funny part of it though. Right. But he set himself a smart target and a very realistic target. He knew that Liverpool had Fabio Borini and Mario Balotelli up front. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. It would need some time. Sure. It would need a lot of effort. Right. But to begin with, he had to be very realistic. And when he was that realistic, people loved his honesty. Everyone knew that yeah, Liverpool will take time. And he set that expectation. Fast forward 2019, Liverpool won the Champions League. Four years later. 
it took them four years. Not that uh, that was their first shot at winning something. Right. They lost right. finals along the way. They lost titles along the way. But it took him four years. But the guy came in, he did his research. And when he was presented or he, when he was given that first opportunity to set a target, he was, he was very specific. He had measured you know, what it would take to reach where he wanted to. He said something which was attainable and not just something out in the thin air, trying to, as they say, building castles in thin air. It was not that. It was very realistic to anyone who heard it, knew this is really possible. And it was time bound. So he gave four years. And as a leader, whenever we set targets, even in our personal lives, it's very important for us to introspect, be realistic, set targets, which are, after measuring what it takes to reach there, and eventually put a time to it. I mean, this is by the time we want to reach here. And if we do that as the first step, everything else can be sequenced out to reach there. And that's something that Clock showed right in that first press conference, which I'm never going to forget because it's going to ha- it, it did have a wonderful story, backstory associated with it. Yeah. So, so that's Klopp, you know, that's, that's someone who sets targets uh, for the team. That's, that's the person who came in and that was his first impression in, uh, in, in setting a target for the team. Now, this is the big picture, Rasadat. To quickly tell you, in short, what his day-to-day target setting is, you know, he is a kind of a guy who believes that uh, to achieve something big, you got to focus on the small. Mm-hmm. So, he's going to work on the small things. It's going to take, uh, even in last year, if you notice this, uh, Liverpool were runaway title leaders and, and winners. Right. Uh, throughout the season, uh, even when it was evident that you know, actually no one's going to catch up with them, right. the narrative that the entire team, bar none, gave uh, that, you know, we're just taking one game at a time. We're not thinking about the title. Right. And that was something which wasn't made up. It wasn't something that they were trained by the media professionals to say out there to the journalists. It was a mentality, an attitude that Klopp had ingrained in the players' minds. Right. You know, you got to achieve the big, but you focus on the small. One game at a time. As they say, right, uh, as uh, Peter Kravitz, who's Liverpool's assistant coach, said in an interview with Klopp, that uh, you truly never lose. You either win or you learn. Right. So I think that is uh, a mentality that the team has uh, taken ahead under crop. Definitely, definitely. So you know, Mo Salah, Klopp at Chelsea, a few other players. How how was he able to transform some of them? Like such big improvements. I guess Mo Salah won the Player of the Year. Yes, yeah. in his first, he had a biblical first season, yeah. but yeah, he won the won the Player of the Year. Then yes, he did. How was he able to do that? You know, transform these players. In in one of the again, Klopp has been a very smart guy in man management. I think one of the things that you know people really play, praise him for is man management. Mm-hmm. And Klopp famously once said that um, so when he comes, so ideally when you as a leader go to any new place, you want to impose your mentality, yeah. the way you work. You want to set your standards. But there's something really interesting that Klopp said once. He said that when I go to a new place, now imagine this Klopp, 
he has a personality of his own he's so um, overbearing uh, overpowering overwhelming as a person very convincing uh, dynamic right. it's very hard to say no to such people so it's very easy for him to go out there and impose his playing style and mentality but what he said was whenever he goes to a new place now this guy he said i just observe players mm-hmm. my initial days are spent only in observing people i want to truly understand that if these guys are given a freedom to express themselves especially during training to begin with what are the things that they are truly gifted and good at and what are the things that can be improved because by by not putting them under any leash uh, you can observe them in the their truest forms all of these players and once he has all these notes about the players now he can sit down and say now if these guys have to align to how i play these are the adjustments that need to be made so now he's very clear as to how to approach his players and what's the give and take that's associated with fitting each and every player to his playing system so uh, for example when uh, when he came in he realized that uh, the likes of say mo salah okay had 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 a great potential he had a great skill set he he was doing amazingly well at roma Uh, he had a wonderful season at roma as well before coming to liverpool let's call 19 plus goals i i remember uh, what the player lacked uh, back in the day when he played for chelsea was maybe the physical intensity of the league mm-hmm. why he thrived in italy italy is a very technical league if you look at italy the tactical nuances in italy are really amazing okay but it is not as intense as english football so what he realized that mo salah had the tactical game about him he was a very intelligent player his runs his skills were amazing he had very good technique what he lacked was physical intensity so the first year when sala came in he only focused on turning sala into a beast okay mm-hmm. he he worked on the physical conditioning of the player he improved the miles per game that the player ran right by doing so he worked on one particular skill set that he had observed that sala could improve but at the same time if you if you recollect if you can recollect the first season sala played at liverpool he was given a free hand uh, definitely klopp is a kind of a guy who believes in tough pressing so he'd expect even their attacking players to come back and defend which sala right. did but he wasn't really great at it right. and he never even forced sala to do it he set an expectation but he let him be right. and that brought out the 44 goals in the first season mm-hmm. in the season that followed later you would say sala was called a one season wonder now uh, he he is like into the, his fourth season and now he's almost like a fourth time one season wonder <laughs> yeah. but uh, what i have noticed now about mosala is with his increasing association with klopp and liverpool over the period of years he has become a much more team player though people still call him selfish but i've seen him come back defend for the team run more across the pitch which may have compromised uh, his sheer number of goals but right. has exponentially increased his contribution to the team sure so that is how i think klopp works with salah's one example we if you found some other players too i mean we found someone like dejan lovren who was a defender mm-hmm. okay is a very error prone defender back in the day okay but he found that in dejan lovren there was a leader there was a guy who never wanted to lose to anybody Uh, they say that one of the reasons why someone like a Dejan Lovren makes a lot of defensive mistakes is because he doesn't even want to lose to a striker when it comes to a challenge so right. he goes in very early very prematurely a lot of times and gets beaten right. and people work and score and makes mistakes but he he knew that there was a leader about him and he was a very good presence in the in the in the room of players mm-hmm. and he's kept evolved him into a player who played 
an amazing part. Now, Dejan Lovren, in a single season, played the Champions League final and the World Cup final, being right. the core defender for the team. Right. So, he, he transformed someone who was skilled, a leader, but error-prone, prone into someone who was a consistent leader and who played at the topmost level that season. So, he has that ability to pick out the best characteristics of a player, use them, bring them to the fore, and simultaneously work on things that need improvement. So, I think that is something that Klopp really manages. In fact, if you see a lot of these new guys also coming in, Trent Alexander-Arnold, new guy coming in, just giving him that confidence. Curtis Jones uh, is one of the academy products uh, from the last season. Harvey Elliott is a 17-year-old kid. Nico Williams, uh, who's also a right-back defender, that is. Uh, what uh, Klopp always, I think, believes in and that every player would be treated equally. So, you know, Mo Salah or a Curtis Jones get the same amount of importance in the dressing room. Yeah. So, for Curtis Jones, it's nothing to fear. And for Mo Salah, there is nothing that he, need, uh, you know, he needs to compromise just to accommodate someone. But at the same time, the likes of Curtis Jones will know that uh, the kind of effort, dedication Salah puts in every day in training, even I now need to live up to that standard because I get no different treatment. Right. So, I think it's, it's a lot of man management skills at play there. But that creating that environment of trust, Siddharth, I guess, the trust, the passion uh, towards a common goal uh, helps uh, build great players. You are a United fan. Okay, and I'll actually call upon you to give me a very honest opinion that when you look at when you look at uh, Liverpool, and you want to be very critical because you're a United fan, mm-hmm. critical to the point you know tipping to bias, mm-hmm. but you tell me that no, it's a good team, and maybe you would pick, I, I, maybe I'd take a Virgil Van Dyke in my team, or maybe I'd take uh, a Sadio Mane, or maybe an Allison. Right. But I guess the other players are pretty okay, and they're good players, but they're not really legends or great players. Mm-hmm. Would go on an unbeaten streak, mm-hmm. right? You'd say you you say that, but I, this is where I had uh, Trent and um, Robertson do it as well. I mean, Trent, incredible. Trent has been incredible. Trent's been incredible last season. Yeah. Maybe before that, and you'd have only a couple of people who 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 bring in who you'd say okay, they are good enough to be called right. great players or be borderline legends. Yeah. The trick here and something that you know, Klopp believes and even I have now started to try and follow that in, in my life is the fact that you don't really need uh, legends uh, to win you games or win you trophies. You don't just need big players. Uh, you just need people who believe in you. You believe in the cause. And as a team, as they say, right, uh, the whole should be greater than the sum of Right. So, even if you have like really good players and everyone really believes and give it, gives it your best their best to the cause, to the team, to that common goal, uh, their output can turn out to be legendary. You may not have a single Premier League legend. Okay, mm-hmm. You may not have uh, even a single player. You'll have very good players. Maybe no legends. Right. But it doesn't really matter. As long as the team ends up being world-class. If you look at Borussia Dortmund, enough Liverpool. You go back to Borussia Dortmund. Right. But he's the guy who made uh, players like Mario Götze who eventually scored the winning World Cup goal for Germany. He right. made players like Marco Reus, uh, Marco Reus still with Dortmund, not loyal. He made Robert Lewandowski, who right. is in running now to take the Ballon d'Or this year. Yeah. But these are the players 
who he just discovered from leagues, gave them ample confidence and turned them into world beaters. Right. Right. And he, he does that with guys. And you have these examples, ample of these examples. I mean, Matt Hummels, Subotich. And these are these guys who've come from the Jurgen Klopp school of thought. Uh, Shinji Kagawa, the United player. Right, right, right. Uh, you know him. Yeah. He's made a Klopp product, uh, Mikitarian. Uh, Hendrik Mikitarian, again a club product from Dortmund. So yeah, I mean he's he's done that with so many players. Um, what people, many people forget is that I mean they remember and they probably think that oh he had Lewa and uh, he had uh, Mickey and all these players and that is why they were able to win the Bundesliga or something like that. But then they don't realize that. Jürgen Klopp was the one who made these players. Gundogan. Ikai Gundogan. Yeah, exactly. I would say the players were always talented, but nobody knew them for what they were capable of. I mean, we are just noticing Lewandowski now because he has been scoring goals for fun last season. A lot of people are. But some others like who are even football followers to a decent degree know that Lewandowski, from his uh, later years at Dortmund and all his years at Bayern, has been top-notch, world-class to say the least. But this is a guy who picked him up from the lower leagues and brought him and gave him that confidence, exposure and and the tactical know-how to compete at the highest level and compete and deliver. And that's something that just makes me wonder. I mean, likes of Divock Origi, okay, uh, a very... Above average player, not overrated, very passionate, very hardworking. But then this lad comes in and he's, he uh, puts in all of those important goals whenever he's called for. And he's a young player, a lot of passion. But at the highest stage, this guy still delivers. And you would call him an okayish player. You wouldn't call him the best that you've seen or even in the top five percentile of strikers in the world. But then he gets you that Merseyside late winner at Everton. Uh, he gets you that Champions League final goal. He gets you that crucial first goal against Barcelona in the reverse Champions League tie. Oh, nothing short of a legend, eh? Yeah. So, <laughs> that, that, that's what he does, you know, with players. I try to bring the best out of them. That's, that's some superb leadership out there. I mean, uh, I remember when uh, Coutinho left, I, I didn't give Liverpool a chance, you know, at any of the uh, forget about the Premier League. I didn't give them a chance uh, with the Champions League. And yeah, your point is rightly made. Like he was able to create these, let's say, probably average to above average players to absolute, you know, world champions. I agree. And you know, oh. uh, more closer to home, uh, Siddharth, even if you look at the likes, uh, likes of um, Mahinder Singh Dhoni, he's been one of the leaders that we all look up to in India. Yeah. Even if you look at this guy, uh, a lot of these players who won him the World Cup, uh, maybe the 2007 uh, T20 World Cup, uh, the 2013 uh, Champions Trophy, the 2011 World Cup. Right. A lot of the players there were really good players, but not legends. I mean, weren't players who would single-handedly win it for you. Yeah. But then they were capable of creating those moments. And collectively, each of the player contrib- players contributing to those moments made the team invincible. Yeah. And that is something that Klopp has done. You don't really need world beaters. You may have a sing- one or two world beaters maybe as the core of your team. Mm-hmm. But the others really create those 
moments for you which define an output which is world class and consistent definitely definitely i mean uh, when thinking of this i always take the example of you know rcb and uh, rcb and rajasthan royals and you know Ra- royals have been able to win an ipl and rcb with the star power that they've always had haven't been able to pick up even once so uh, definitely i mean these things and who was the who was the the one of the finds of the first season in rajasthan royals a certain uh, sir jadeja <laughs> a young sir jadeja who shane won brought up as a leader you know made him perform at the highest level so fair point and i really agree with this mm. so um as you use technology as part of this process in any way or form oh technology so you know that uh, now with uh, the advent of a lot of uh, biomedical uh, advancements uh, that have happened uh, there is a lot of technology to use uh, player performance monitoring uh, mm-hmm. uh, conditioning treatments surgery and that's that's uh, something which is uh, pretty routine uh, what liverpool has done differently is something that i want to speak about is uh, data driven improvement okay now data is the new gold they say in the world of it and uh, liverpool have uh, you know used data in in one of the most uh, amazing manners uh, possible to ensure that they have hit success consistently over the last couple of years and i'll give you a couple of examples so this uh, the idea of this spawns back uh, to early 2000s uh, with boston red sox now uh, why i bring about bring up what's boston red sox here is because fenway group which owns liverpool mm-hmm. also owns the boston red sox uh, which is a baseball team right uh, back in the day uh, what boston red sox did was uh, if you've heard of this um, concept money. called uh, moneyball right 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 i've seen the movie yes so the thesis of moneyball is pretty simple now it's using statistical analysis mm-hmm. uh, and to find that small market teams can compete by you know buying assets that are undervalued by other teams and selling assets that are overvalued by other teams yeah i'll repeat small market teams compete by buying assets undervalued by other teams and selling ones overvalued by other teams and to give you Uh, the best example there philip coutinho someone who you brought up earlier in the conversation right. so philip coutinho we were a mid market team not like the top 2 top 3 top 5 in the world back in the day when crop crop arrived right. and uh, he saw that you know someone like a barcelona which is like a big team they were sincerely overvaluing uh, coutinho willing to play 1 140 million quid is crazy for any player okay and and uh, he sold him and what he did was uh, he invested so he brought in van dijk he brought in alisson which were big money signings but he also invested in smart buys he has also got the likes of mo salah in the day back in the day he has got in sadio sadio mane for 30 30 million which is like peanuts when you look at uh, when you look at the kind of player he has turned out to be yeah. fabinho who has been one of the finds last season has been brought in for again comparatively a very cheap price but for me the signing uh, which Uh, epitomizes the use of moneyball at liverpool is uh, robertson uh. now this guy 
is gotten from 8 million from hull city mm-hmm. uh, he was undervalued relegated i mean relegated team and a defender of a relegated team uh, who would who would want him sure okay but he got him from 8 million and just look at the kind of player he has been. For me, now he's one of the top three uh, left backs in the world. Yeah. And uh, he's amazing. And, and he epitomizes all that. And where does this come from? It comes from a lot of uh, data crunching. Uh, you need to build a team. You need to look at a lot of uh, statistical data. You need to look at a lot of scouting data. So to give you some context, uh, Klopp actually has a well-educated group of researchers as part of the backroom staff. So I remember this one guy called uh, Ian Graham, who's the uh, club's research head, uh, director of the club's research division. Now this guy is a doctor in theoretical physics. Oh, so this guy's analysis, Graham's analysis on scouting data, led to transfers of Mohamed Salah and Nabi Keita to Liverpool. The decision and the amount of money to be offered to these guys were based on the the data that he crunched. There is another guy, uh, uh, Tim Waskett. He's actually an uh, astrophysicist and he's also a statistical researcher. And he's tasked with finding ways to optimize the time spent on the pitch, the passes, the tackles, the throw-ins are analyzed minutely in a mathematical manner to ensure that all of this is put in place. And uh, that is something that, again, Klopp does. In fact, to give you one of the outcome of Tim Waskett's findings is, Liverpool realized that uh, in the year 2017, an analysis uh, made the team realize that Liverpool was losing a lot of possession uh, on throw-ins. You know that throw-ins, right? When the ball goes out of play. You have a throw-in in football. Now, it's a very minute part, right? Liverpool ended up hiring a coach for throw-ins. I mean, have you heard of this before, Siddharth? Never, never. Throw-in coach. Sounds ridiculous. Throw-in coach. There is a guy called Thomas Granmark, mm-hmm. who is Liverpool's throw-in consultant coach. Thomas Granmark made Liverpool the second best team in Europe when it comes to retaining the ball from throw-ins. Okay. And that, according to Waskett's analysis in the uh, the next, uh, the, the succeeding year, vastly improved the team's conversion and opportunity creation. Mm-hmm. And now we are talking about the year 1819. Remember 1819 where Liverpool were banging in goals for fun? Even in the, uh, in the, in the Champions League, Liverpool were the highest scoring team. Mm-hmm. Uh, scoring more than what? Uh, together, uh, almost 40-odd goals that season. Now, all of that came down to a very minute, minute aspect called throw-in, which you realize. You see, right? Focusing on the small to achieve the big. Right. So, data, found something out, fixed it. There's yeah. another guy, uh, uh, who William Spearman, this guy, he, he works on uh, you know, guaranteeing the pitch control. He's also a maths and physics researcher. So, when it comes to passes, completion, uh, he works on that. Then uh, he has had a, a range of sports nutritionists hired. So we have nutritionists at Liverpool. Uh, there are physiotherapists, masseurs, the, the usual rehab coaches. So, so I think these are the things that you get in from the data. Yeah. The data of injuries, the data of statistics, performance statistics, health statistics, conditioning. And when you look at the data, arrive at certain conclusions, you know that the areas which need to be fixed, areas uh, that uh, need addressing, and then you get in people to address those. So even if it means hiring new staff, 
right. someone would go out of the way to hire people there have been talks uh, about also uh, liverpool largely engaging people to condition the players sports psychologists to condition the players mm-hmm. having frequent conversations so uh, you have seen the likes of say oxlade chamberlain uh, right. had a season, as a career threatening injury yeah, right. uh, he was doing really well at the peak of it as a career threatening injury comebacks uh, next season like nothing happened you know, picks up from where he left and he's doing equally well now and when footballers get injured and you would know this that because you've been a national player yourself injuries are a part of a sportsman's life but they have a severe psychological impact because yes. when you get injured you never know whether you're going to be as good as you were before you got injured sure. you got to wait you got to be have, have patience you have to believe that things are going to be great and collectively even though people have had life threatening uh, sorry career threatening injuries say oxlade chamberlain say jordan henderson has had some critical injuries mm-hmm. these guys have come back stronger and one of the reasons for doing that is you know the team has looked at these players analyzed their personality look at the data associated with that and shown them the figures and shown them their own improvement along the way of recovery so this is something that you know really uh, makes klopp a, a very good problem solver a mm-hmm. data driven problem solver mm-hmm. right so, so something yeah hmm you mention the use of sports psychologists you know for um, uh, ox and a few other players um do you think psychological safety has been used in uh, this team like klopp really protects his players right i mean as compared to let's say uh, i mean an extreme is probably jose mourinho or you know a few other managers fair point i think uh, i'm glad that you bring this up siddharth because uh, this again is an opportunity to uh, clear some myths associated with psychological safety so it's very simple to assume that psych- psychological safety uh, could be about being nice and cheerful to everyone right uh, it's always sh- sugar coating issues to people and you know making someone uh, not feel threatened or unsafe by doing that right so psychological safety is not that okay uh, instead i would say it's psychological safety is all about giving candid feedback mm-hmm. be and uh, no not be punishing people or humiliating someone for speaking up with ideas questions concerns or mistakes right okay and and by doing that what it what it entails the players to do it entails any team that you work in to do is uh, to be able to make mistakes and openly admit to them and learn from them right. okay uh, one a, a holistic example could be the initial days of klopp liverpool uh, was like how liverpool played yesterday in the 4-3 win against leeds you know defensively shambles and it was all about who scores more number of goals yeah okay very indiscipline over a period of years uh, we developed the team into a, a very tight knit defensive unit so by making mistakes is when the players have learned so he has not derided the defense even yesterday if you saw he never derided anyone because but inside i'm sure the team got a very candid feedback okay yeah. 
and there have been a lot of researches conducted about this uh, psychological safety factor siddhat and you know what the researchers have primarily found is that teams that made more mistakes okay and this is a very interesting uh, finding of the research that the teams that made more mistakes were counterintuitively more successful than other teams mm-hmm. and you wonder why i mean isn't it obvious that if you make more mistakes like more number of mistakes you are entitled to be a loser you're not entitled to be successful less probable to be successful but this why this these and teams end up being more successful is because now the team members are encouraged to take more risks sure when you're encouraged to take more risks you know that even if you make a mistake and go out there admit it and learn next time not do it and when you take more risks it encourages greater creativity and yeah. greater cre- and greater innovation in your thought in your problem solving and when there is greater creativity and innovation in your thought process it frequently leads to game changing moments right and you want to i mean i don't even need to give you an example but i i just quote the obvious nevertheless Mm-hmm. Trent Alexander uh, Alexander Arnold. Yeah. You know, you playing Barcelona, you yeah. lost three nil at that that their home game. You come back here and somehow your entire team has fought to get it back to three three. Right. And then there comes a corner, and you come up with the most genius of ideas to just play it quickly, right. when the entire Barcelona defense was not looking, and it leads to a goal. right how did a 19 year old find the psychological safety to even think forget execute even think that this was possible right so that's something that klopp has done and had he uh, m- m- made a mockery of that corner klopp would have candidly told him that right in the room in the players dressing room post the game that you missed a good opportunity your set piece is an opportunity to score but people are open to doing that they're open to the probability of making a mistake and as klopp has always said right football is a game and you have to play it with freedom players will make the right decisions when they have confidence and when they don't have it then they will feel that the next pass needs to be a goal or now we are under pressure and we need to force something of course yeah and i think this is why a uh, psychological safety as you rightly pointed out has been a game changer in klopp's era of management because it has given all of the players you no know, the the confidence to try out so you need to just stick to what you are doing as a player you know just keep persevering and any chance that you miss is not a failure you know it's information so you just go back use it again sure. and you know, this is something that klopp has done. and you know that if there's a chance player miss miss it more often than not if you realize klopp would clap at that silly miss or at that mistake that the player makes right. at least he encourages that intent of innovation of trying to try something out of the box right so uh, that's something that uh, klopp has really brought into liverpool as a team um, that psychological safety which has made the team very open and confident uh, while playing football definitely and uh, talking about confidence man the number of times they um, they're winning after the 80 minute mark you know pulling off wins wins and wins after the 80 <laughs> minute mark even yesterday like wow 
there is this one guy <laughs> it's crazy i <laughs> it's, it's it's crazy siddharth in fact this one guy who's irked the most because of this is a certain guy called pep guardiola mm-hmm. okay last season in one of these interviews i remember he was uh, uh, he was asked by a journalist you know how do you feel about it mm-hmm. and fair play to the guy you know what he said was you know even my son and my daughter ask me this and all the time why are these this liverpool team winning in the last minutes right and then they they ask me na how lucky how lucky 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 these guys are right and pep guardiola then told his uh, kids and he said this is also something that i told my players that uh, that liverpool it, it's lucky if it happens once or t- twice in your life but mm-hmm. if you do it 10 12 13 times right okay then it is not just luck it is an incredible quality and incredible talent to keep fighting until the end sure and something uh, that again klopp has built and this is something so that you will relate to because we are not averse to the phrase called fergie time right so back in the day when sir alex uh, was the coach at united you know we knew that even if it was 90 plus and there was 3 minutes of stoppage time and united needed a goal to win the game you as a fan knew that we still have a chance you were not panic you knew and in fact uh, even when united were leading by a solitary goal in a crunch match and it was uh, stoppage time say 5 minutes of stoppage time till date siddharth i have not seen a team playing with as much confidence even in a panicky situation during stoppage time as united the way they had control of the ball the composure like they know how to handle this that's something that sir alex no really drilled into the team's mentality to give you some figures here siddharth they say that uh, when a team typically wins a premier league title they earn almost 1.7 to 2 points by scoring goals 90 minutes onwards mm-hmm. and almost 4 uh, to 5 points in a season by scoring a goal in 85th minute or later Sure. Okay, these are four or five points is a huge figure when it comes to the final dynamics. Uh, and when under Klopp, okay, Liverpool's record per season has been three point eight points from goals scored in the ninetieth minute or later. Wow. And as compared to Sir Alex, but Sir Alex had a, has a longer tenure. Sir Alex's average was almost around one point seven. from goal scored after the 90th minute points achieved from goal scored after the 90th minute right. in a season but that's a longer period of time so it won't it be an apple against orange to compare but 3.8 and it's evident you have seen a, a divock origi 96th minute against everton you've seen a sadio mane last season's uh, a game changing moment from the season was that uh, winner against aston villa mhm injury time goal where liverpool had one of the worst games of the season and still in the last 4 minutes they managed to score two goals and not just draw but win the game right or the 95th minute james milner penalty against leicester sure. or uh, i i i break this up as a liverpool fan the 85th minute uh, uh lalana equalizer against united mm-hmm. at old trafford last year so uh, you had these and these moments as uh, you know pep Guardiola mentioned are not lucky moments you train the team to fight till the end so unless you no know, the game's done the game isn't really done 
And as I said, right, psychological safety uh, entails the team to express themselves and make mistakes even and not panic. Okay. Just play football freely, stick to the tactics, not try to convert every pass into a goal or force things. Then there is a question of trust that the team can do it. Uh, And importantly, uh, because they have trust, their belief is exponential that even if it is the last one minute remaining and we need a goal or two, I think we still have a chance. And here, uh, Siddharth, there's a a short example, but not really a late winner story, but a story that uh, is one of the standout stories to me. So last year, you remember, Last but one in 2018, uh, last year, right? We lost the um, semi final leg to Barcelona. Liverpool lost that leg. Mm-hmm. And um, when the team played really well, but it was a messy masterclass and a couple of really good goals right. that Barcelona scored, and we lost 3 uh, 0. This is a story that Sadio Mane tells one of the players that you no, know, he was uh, chilling in the tub uh, with another guy called Fabinho, who was a player, and uh, he. Uh, he went to Fabinho and he said that, no, Genie Wijnaldum tells me that we're going to win this at Anfield. Right. And we're going to progress to the finals. And Fabinho said, and he asked Fabinho, so do you also believe it? And he said, I think, yes, we're going to do it. Wow. And so he's like, okay, so that makes three of us. And this is just after that 3-0 humbling at the, at the new camp against one of the potentially the best sides in the world. Right. Uh, with the best players for sure. And this is just the belief because the team knows what their target is. And that first match was actually just the midway point. It was still this entire game at Anfield to go. And they had that belief, that trust. And beyond the trust, the belief that we still have 90 minutes, which is huge. And we can score. And they ended up winning 4 nil, which is amazing. So, I feel... uh, a lot of this, uh, a lot of these qualities that we've spoken for the last uh, half an hour or so have, you know, eventually accumulate into the outputs that come through these moments, Definitely. and you know, give us these stories to speak about. Definitely, and that's probably that's one of the reasons they've been tagged the mentality monsters. In fact, when Liverpool actually won um, against Barcelona, is when Klopp came out in an interview and said, "Like absolutely, mentality monsters is what he said." And I think uh, you're right. Um, monster may not be taken as the most positive word, but uh, what signifies, uh, what the term mentality monster signifies is you really have very strong mentalities as a team, as yeah. players, as individuals. See, football is a team game. and right. It's not an individual sport. You're only, as I said, right, the team is only as strong as the weakest link. So you don't have to leave in. You've got to empower everybody. And... Uh, one mistake can cost a game. And it can come from anybody on a football pitch. Yesterday, it came from the Leeds uh, record uh, striker signing, uh, Rodrigo. Mm-hmm. But he was in the penalty box, where the opposite penalty box where he shouldn't be. And he gave away a penalty. Yeah. But uh, mistakes do happen. And it can just ruin the entire moment, all the hard work that you have put in. So, yeah. that's football for you. Very harsh, very harsh team game. Yeah. You you slog for, uh, you run miles for 90 minutes, you train hard the entire week and then this one mistake can ruin it all. But uh, here the idea to be strong enough to move over mistakes and keep improving is something that has made Liverpool the mentality monsters. Uh, last season, Liverpool were 
genius to win the league by um, this margin. If you see a lot of these games, Liverpool actually just scraped through them. They kept winning at the last moment. The word here was consistent. They were very consistent. They just wanted to go out there next match, win it. And I think consistency wins your leagues. You don't want to win a game 15-0 or 10-0 and then lose the next five games. There's no compensation, right? It's about consistency. You've got to keep consistently performing. You've paid, what, £100,000 every week. You've got to live up to that as a player. And uh, through all of these, through the psychological safety, through the hard work that the coach puts them through, through the camaraderie, through the fact that uh, the entire team believes that they are one family. They are there for each other. Uh, Through the fact that any mistake you make would not see the end of you, but it would see the beginning of you as a better player. Right. These are things that make you. To give the latest example of that was Rian Brewster, who's a 17, 18-year-old youngster, mm-hmm. uh, missed the decisive penalty in the community shield. Right. And Liverpool lost the shield to Arsenal in the shootout. Yeah. When Arsenal scored the final penalty, one of his fellow youngsters, Curtis Jones, actually kissed Rian Brewster. And mm-hmm. it actually captured that on camera. So, when uh, the moment Arsenal uh, scored the winning penalty, this guy was like hands over his head and all disappointed. This guy just came in on and kissed him and said, it's all right. We'll right. do it next time. I think that, you know, that is a game changer there. You know, you're so strong mentally that you know next year it's going to be our year. Liverpool lost, Jurgen Klopp lost six finals in, the lo- uh, in a row. Starting with Borussia Dortmund losing the Champions League final. Then the German Cup came to Liverpool, lost the League Cup final. Lost the Europa League final, the Champions League final again uh, to Real Madrid to finally and eventually win the Champions League in 2019. Six finals in a row and eventually. So it's just about belief that if the the first question you asked me was uh, leadership traits, he leads by example. If a guy has lost six finals in a row and he comes back strong again and goes on to win maybe the biggest trophy of his career. Mm-hmm. I guess it speaks a lot about the person and the leader. Definitely. Definitely. Um, well, you know, this podcast has been extremely hard. Extremely hard. But <laughs> taking a step back, yeah, definitely. I mean, the learnings you can get from a man like Jürgen is incredible. You know, anyone, I mean, for anyone listening, for corporates, you know, people in organizations, leaders, definitely learning from Yogan is a must, you know. It has been incredible. Pramod, it, 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 is, it, it is a must, Siddharth. I, I, I uh, completely yeah. agree with you. And as, as they say, right, we are very uh, mathematically driven in the corporate world with numbers, with probabilities. And we are very analytical in thought. And analysis always gives us a possibility of failure. Sure. And if we let that failure burden us, we become doubters. Right. And as Klopp said, you don't have to be doubters. The first thing that he said in his interview, the first interview ever conducted at Liverpool, he said, the first thing that I'd request all the supporters to turn is from doubters to believers. And if you believe, I think the rest of the road is slightly less bumpy. Definitely. Definitely. 
and uh, with that uh, pramod i'll take your leave thank you very much for this incredible podcast and uh, you know spending your time with us on a sunday evening especially it's been my pleasure siddharth i'm mean, speaking about football speaking about uh, sports to a fellow enthusiast um, always makes my day so thank you for inviting me over and it's been an absolute pleasure uh, to speak to you about a guy i really admire and i look up to and i'm sure in times to come there are going to be so many new things that that come out as nuances from his leadership something that i can go back something a lot of us can go back and try out and emulate in our real lives as well for sure for sure and um, yeah pramod where can people get in touch with you i'm sure people up listening to this may have you know questions they may want to get in touch for whatever reason how can they find you you can find me on facebook pramod mohandas you can find me on my uh, not so active yet uh, active uh, instagram account go underscore pro underscore mode mode okay. and uh, definitely you can connect with me at pramod mohandas 8 at gmail.com anytime you want you are up for a, a good little conversation on sports on liverpool feel feel free to drop me a message i love to do that wonderful and i'm sure you know a lot of probably corporates people in, involved in management listening they may want to you know have more of your insights you know being able to relate you know corporate and management with sports and football i'm sure they'd want to you know have more of your knowledge in fact they uh, this works a lot siddharth mm-hmm. i have been a train i i, I do trainings so i am a product manager um, i'm working in education technology in india uh, with some very game game changing work that we are doing for affordable private schools right apart from that i have been extremely passionate about public speaking and training and i have i, I do train corporates uh, social audi- audiences colleges i have trained more than 5000 people in the past 3 and after 4 years wow. i do it for passion Uh, always open to a lot of training and i have picked up a lot of these stories these nuances uh, these traits of leadership from klopp and amalgamated them in, in a lot of the trainings that i conduct on leadership uh, and communication skills team building it works because something that has worked out in real life and not purely out of a book is something very relatable and something very doable so you're right there it does find a lot of uh, a lot of alignment to how people think in the real world oh sure all right thank you pramod and i hope to see you again oh hope you have a great season too i'm sure uh, bruno's going to be the man this season Hopefully. so wishing luck to man united this season as well and uh, it's wonderful siddharth lovely what you're doing with sports podcast is really amazing and uh, keep doing the good work buddy Thanks a lot for what take care